are the lab doctors. I'm Amanda. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Zhao Yong. We are biomedical researchers who realize we still have a lot to learn about science. So why not join us on this quest? Hey guys, hope you've been enjoying Food Month. So on this episode of Today We Learn, we will be talking about something inherently divisive, which is food preferences. So in case you are unaware, Today We Learn episodes are the ones where we answer questions based on what we already know. And then in part two, we go home, we do some research, and then we come back in part two to tell you what we have discovered. So we thought about this topic, like on food preferences, because actually it was super random. Like we had troubles thinking of what to do for food because it's so last minute yeah. due to the whole pandemic and things. But it just suddenly occurred to me like, why do we have different preferences for food? Right. You know, because from what I know, our taste buds, our, the tongue, our tongues should all be the same, where like this certain taste bud is at this area and so on. Mm. But why do we like different things? Okay, so let's go into taste buds first. So we know like taste buds, mm. what we commonly study is that our tongue can be separated in four parts. Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But like this is what I remember from primary school, secondary school or something. <laughs> yeah. Primary? primary, maybe primary. Yeah. But our tongue has four different taste areas. So sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. Right. And if you actually pay attention, apparently, like let's say you eat something bitter like medicine, one part of your tongue would feel it. And then if you eat something salty, it's another part of your tongue that feels it. Oh, yeah, is it? Because it's separated into like four areas in your tongue, on your tongue. Yeah, so I guess in my mind, I, I keep thinking that that's just very arbitrary. I never really go and notice where I, think you have to notice I feel it. it. Okay, I okay. Tonight notice. for dinner, I will try Actually, and notice I, it. I also don't think I tried it before, but <laughs> I think... <laughs> Sometimes something will be a bit more tingly, and you know. Yeah, but I mean, fun experiment. Y'all should all try it. Listen. Oh yeah, we should. We should. Yeah, try it and let us know. You know, do you feel different <laughs> areas of your tongue taste different things? When you yeah. said the sweet, salty, sour, bitter, I already see the graphical representation of the tongue. You know, with the different colors. That's what y'all learn in yeah, school, right? Yeah, and then right? they cut it up. The yeah, two sides, yeah. Two sides. Yeah. yeah, this side is sweet, and then it's like blue, red, yellow, green. But I think <laughs> we also learn about umami, right? The fifth taste. So that's in the middle for sure. That's the only one I remember where it is. Everything else I have no idea. It what is, is umami? The closest thing I can think of is salty, but it isn't specifically it's different higher than from salty. Yeah, exactly. Like I only heard of this term umami in the last few years only. And it's really? because like spring leaf prata uh-huh. has an umami prata. <laughs> umami 50. And it's it's pretty good. It's they like, I are... love it. They just put a lot of MSG, is it? Yeah, that okay. they, they, they that's why like I first of heard of umami is MSG. Because that's their major selling point that MSG is umami. But isn't MSG salt? Yeah, that's why. To is me, it it's salt? just salty. I, I don't see the difference between umami and salty. Yeah, I thought umami was just some random... It's, it's like a term they came up with to talk about salty. a taste they cannot describe. Oh, like Everything else is the <laughs> other's category. That's what I thought it was. I actually don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know cause I didn't know you, there was a like a region on the tongue for it yeah exactly I didn't know that there was a region it's on the tongue it's in the also. tongue diagram it's in the middle it's not there was only four parts on the tongue diagram as far as I remember in, in, in my defense mommy is just salty it's just we had salty, this field okay. trip in primary school where we went to the Ajinomoto factory Ajinomoto being the MSG oh, wow, brand oh wow we had a trip to the Ajinomoto yeah. factory yeah actually because my dad used to be his company used to be the supplier for Ajinomoto I, I'm pretty sure he's the one that uh, like helped Arranged it. to organise 
is it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then so, they were so talking cute. about umami. And oh, and then one of the things they said is that MSG doesn't cause hair loss and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I thought it does. Isn't that the, the rumor? The Well, because you the, come from the, the Ajinomoto well, factory. Well, I mean, if you're going to the Ajinomoto factory, yeah. obviously yeah. Right, I'm not right, going to say yeah. that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure umami is in the middle of the tongue. Maybe that's where I saw the diagram. I'm not sure. Okay, but how do taste buds work then? So it's taste receptors, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah different taste receptors for different foods. Yeah, so basically, I think how it works is the different compounds that register for different tastes bind to different receptors. And then yeah. they send signals to our brain and our brain is the one that is generating these tastes. Okay, yeah. the only thing I can think of is all the different sugars, like glucose that breaks down into yeah. all those things. So that will um, trigger the sweet taste receptors is it right, uh-huh. right, right. and yeah, then things yeah. acidic things would trigger the sour, sour. yeah and then the, I, I'm assuming there are other um, things that will trigger I don't know what's the salty compound salt yeah yeah I have no idea so I don't no. know what kind of receptors there are but it's it's um, G-coupled protein receptors oh is it yeah I think, I think so. so oh okay that's cool but I don't know like what is it different different downstream pathways after the receptors uh. Or maybe the receptors also are different. So it's the different compounds that trigger different receptors. Yeah, Yeah, I I would think so. Yeah, Because I feel like that's how artificial sweeteners work. You know, like how uh, the artificial sweeteners in like Coke Zero. Yeah. Uh You know how people say like, how come Coke Zero is sweet even though there's no sugar? Oh. Yeah, it's because they have these compounds that, you know, look maybe look similar to like glucose or something and we register as sweet. But actually, it doesn't have sugar. Oh. Glucose per se. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's so smart. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So is that why people like different food? Oh, is it? Because of the different receptors on their tongue. So that's the thing that doesn't. But everyone has the same receptors, right? Yeah. So let's say, okay, evolutionarily, we think sweet is good because it gives us glucose. But there are people who don't like sweet things. And as you grow older, even. The same person. When you oh yeah, when you're older. <sighs> yeah, I said it doesn't make sense to me because it's like shouldn't everyone's preferences be the same? Or is it So so my theory that I yeah. just thought of like five minutes ago is yeah. <laughs> that even though generally there are four or five, I don't know, regions on your tongue. Maybe maybe different people express like different numbers in the end. Okay. Okay. So that's one theory. The uh-huh. other theory is that the number of nerves signaling the signals, signaling the signals yeah. to your brain is different. So maybe if there's more signals that just maybe you inherently have more nerves connecting to the sweet part of your brain, yeah. then you would just enjoy sweet things more. Oh. I have no idea. I just came up with that. So I, I think there's probably some truth to it as in the other thing is also I, I think we also have preferences for what our body kind of needs okay yeah well I don't know how true this is but apparently people who use their brain more tends to like sweet things more because, because your brain consumes glucose yeah and that's the only thing your brain wants yeah exactly oh my gosh is that why like when you're a baby you like sweet things and then when you become adults and we become lazy then we don't like sweet things anymore <laughs> Isn't that might be possible? As in, I know children in general like sweet things yeah. because they require a lot of glucose, you know, to grow and for their uh-huh. brain to develop as well. 
And so uh-huh. that's why children, like in general, you feel like most children like sweet things. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I, I well, think there's yeah. some truth to it. They definitely yeah. don't like bitter things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and as you bitter grow older, has to be trained. You have to like train yourself to like bitter things, I feel. Oh, so that's my theory is conditioning. Okay. Why people like different foods is conditioning. So, I mean, not 100% conditioning, but it's mostly conditioning. You just like the things that you are exposed to because it is familiar. Oh, and then yes. the more familiar it is, the more comfortable you are with eating it. And then suddenly you, because you are, you've eaten it so many times, you suddenly recognize the nuances in the same meal. Yeah. And then oh. your brain appreciates it more. So I I don't know, but I'm a firm believer in like food preferences I, is I because of I conditioning. I think I agree with you. Okay. It's like it's like maybe it's linked to your happy memories or something, and oh. this certain food triggers this part of your brain, which is like mm. maybe more connected to a certain memory. Yeah, and it's I not just like taste. Someone it's should smell do a study well. on this. Yeah, talking about the memory thing. So definitely, I feel like there's something. There's some level of our conscious minds attributing certain tastes to certain memories because mm. I was taking a mod previously and then the prof was talking about how she can no longer eat honey stars because she well she didn't accidentally but she wanted to taste how her breast milk tastes like so oh she, my goodness she, so she so put she her put breast milk with honey stars and then oh. she ate it and she hated the taste so from then onwards she couldn't eat honey oh stars God. anymore because whenever she does she remembers how breast milk tastes and so so is, I feel like terrible, there's definitely I diluted milk that's what I heard breast milk tastes like I don't know is that what I, yeah, that's I, what I honestly I can't remember I no idea what, I mean I was a baby so I don't know <laughs> 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 how breast milk tastes like but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so so I feel like there's definitely some conditioning, like either positive or negative would affect mm. your preferences as well. And I think, yeah, mm. for sure. so another thing about conditioning is exposure and how much you are exposed to it. So I think, I don't know, like if, when I was younger, my family eats a lot of different types of food. And then I feel that now I'm not as picky in terms of what I want to eat because I've tried all these things before. So I'm not scared to try different things so in the end my food preferences is wider because I've tried all this before and it's my I've been exposed to it so it's fine but I don't know that's that's what that's one of the things with conditioning that I think about okay so speaking of conditioning and training I think the other kind of food that uh, my family when we were young we had to train so-called is eating spicy food so right. yeah we would eat um uh whoever was cooking so my grandmother or my aunties or my mom or whoever would cook only one batch of food that wouldn't be a spicy and non-spicy that would be only one and then if you don't eat it then you just don't eat so then in the end everyone has to eat the spicy food so is it considered a taste? yeah it's, I, I don't think it's a taste it's more of a feeling then where okay. does it come from? capsaicin yeah 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 wait so it's your entire tongue I feel like every time I eat something too spicy your entire mm. tongue is like numb and your lips are numb as well right so where is the spiciness receptor for this capsaicin? Okay, so capsaicin is the compound in chilies or spicy stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it activates, I think, everywhere. No, I, I think there are certain areas of your body that actually are unable to detect it because they don't have the receptors. Oh. So, like, let's say, if I'm not wrong, your skin, it depends on which part of your skin, but I think your if you put it... fingers can. I think the parts that are less sensitive, so maybe, like, your arm or, I don't know, your torso... But then areas that are important, like your eyes. Oh, yes, the eyes. Oh. If, if you're going to like chili or something in your eye, it hurts a lot. But I think it's your body's natural, you know, 
immunity protection uh, against yeah, it. Protection. Yeah, so like let's say in the wild, if you accidentally stab your eye against chili or something, <laughs> like you know to blink and to get it out of your eye because it's actually hurting you. It's supposed to be like a, a to a certain level toxin, like like what you said in one of the ep- episodes before. Yeah, I think so. It's it's not actually something that is good. I think necessarily. So there's receptors in the mouth, right? That is. I yeah. guess so. But you know, it's like after that, technically there's still capsaicin in your stomach. Okay, I feel like your stomach can feel it sometimes. Oh also. yeah, 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 it's burning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but your your small intestines, your colon, you actually don't really feel it. But then, then you you might feel the urge to you know go purge yourself. Yeah. <laughs> because it actually is still affecting your gastrointestinal system. You just it's don't just, feel it. It doesn't have the yeah, the, either the receptors or the nerves to to detect it. So is it bad mm. to eat spicy food then? I think I think it's mo- train. Everything. You can train. Yeah, yeah, but in moderation, yeah. Yeah. Like if you poison yourself then with chili, then chili overload, then obviously you're going to die. Yeah, like the ghost peppers. I'm pretty sure people oh, yeah, died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so. why though? It's just overload of receptors or it oh, burns how? their stomach? Mm. Or? I feel like it burns... It burns your stomach. Maybe it makes a hole. Oh, like a hole? Like an <gasps> actual, like, physical hole? Yeah, yeah I mm-hmm. feel like there's something about chili that burns you. Like, you're just if you touch it, your skin is also, like... <laughs> sometimes right, it right. can burn. So yeah. I feel oh. like if there's too much, so something's just going to burn your stomach. about the skin, right? I was reading... Because um, that day, one of our colleagues gave me green chili, and I thought it would be not uh-huh. spicy, but it was super spicy. So I cut it without gloves. And my hands were yeah. burning for the longest time. Mm. But then I was reading up about it. And apparently, if it's on your hands, right, the residue of the capsaicin, it's not uh-huh. actually burning your fingers. So you won't get burns from the chili residue. Okay. But it's just activating your receptors. Like pain receptor or what? Pain receptors. Uh, but okay. I feel like sometimes it also becomes red, right? Or am I crazy? My finger... I, okay, anecdotal, but... My fingers went red, so they say it's not actually hurting you. So actually, the best thing to do if you can't remedy it is to just give it time and then it will go away because it's not hurting you. So is it different if it's in the stomach because there's acid and everything and then there's some reaction that burns a hole yeah, in your stomach? Yeah, maybe there's some reaction. I, I feel like it might actually be dangerous in your stomach because it's actually generally less tough than mm. your skin on the outer surface. Yeah, because you know? your skin is supposed to protect you anyway, so... Yeah. Okay, so I guess like we have quite a lot of homework to do. We have to first find out, you know, our taste buds. Were they separate? Are they separated into the four common tastes that we learned, or is it like what Amanda said? There's a fifth umami taste. And what about spiciness? Is there another type of taste that we can taste as well? And therefore, with this, can we explain why people like different kinds of food? Is it just purely because of our mouth? what's on our mouth, what's in our mouth, or is it because of the brain or other things like that? So stay tuned! Hi everyone, welcome back to part 2 of Food Preferences. So we're going to discuss about like why people have different food and is there a fifth taste and stuff like that? So first things first, right. how do taste buds work? Okay, so I still don't really know how taste buds work. There were <laughs> many reviews <laughs> that tell me how taste buds work. Yeah, actually but when I researched, I had there was too much information. <laughs> there's a lot, yeah, surprisingly a lot of information on taste. I guess people care. Yeah. 
Food is life. Yeah, exactly. To just briefly summarize on how taste buds work. So each taste bud has about 10 to 50 sensory cells. And I'm just like, 10 to that's 50, very the few. range is damn big. No, also there's <laughs> very few cells, right? <laughs> maybe 10 when you're old and 50 when you're young. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So like we previously mentioned, there are receptors on the surfaces of these sensory cells. And when food molecules bind to these uh, receptors, they trigger signals to be transmitted. And then these signals travel through our nervous system to our brain. And then it goes to the sensory perception parts of our brain. And that's where the taste and smell signals get mixed together and combined to form what we classically know as taste, you know? Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people say 80% of taste is actually smell. Yeah. yeah. And if you block your smell, you you only notice the five tastes. Yeah. Which is a wonderful segue. <laughs> 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 what taste exists. So I think we first talked about the position of the different sour taste buds at the, the sides, is it? And then the bitter is at the back. But actually, there's a very big misconception. Oh. So taste and the different tastes can actually be sensed throughout the entire tongue. Oh. It is actually people just have a very bad understanding of the original picture that was shown on the... So it's all a lie, <laughs> that picture with the different <laughs> colours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lie. Yeah, yeah. So the picture that we all remember, apparently <laughs> that is erroneous and then people just keep propagating that and it's still being propagated today. So, ha, the lab doctors, we are clarifying right now <laughs> that that is a misconception. Oh you can taste all taste throughout the entire tongue. Suddenly, in five years' time, they tell us that it's actually real. (laughs) Well, science is always changing anyway. It's true. Pluto is no longer a planet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, but the only thing that is relatively consistent and correct is that nearer the back of the tongue is where more bitter senses, more bitter taste buds can be found. Mm. So that's because bitterness is typically in the natural world is associated with poisons. And so if that type of poisonous food gets to the back of our throat, it actually triggers a reflex for us to puke it out and spit it mm. out. Mm. Yeah, so that's why bitter receptors, yeah, it's more at the back of the tongue. And so going to the taste, so yes, there are five tastes. So that's sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and also savory or umami. <laughs> I still don't believe umami. Umami <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> it wasn't okay, in our okay, science textbook. Okay, yeah. Science has changed. Tons, Again. <laughs> yeah, times will have changed. But okay, this is the descriptor that I got on what is umami. Okay. So you tell me if this is different from salty because it just sounds <laughs> like salty elevated saltiness. So, so the umami taste is supposedly somewhat similar to the taste of a meat broth. Meat broth tastes salty to me. So <laughs> what is umami? But okay, so it is triggered by these chemicals known as glutamic acid or aspartic acid. So if you remember the first part, we were talking about umami and MSG. So MSG is actually glutamate or glutamic acid salt. So yeah, it is responsible for that umami taste. But again, I'm like, it just tastes salty to me. MSG just tastes salty. It's my palate, not refined. It's not elevated. Is it me? Do y'all taste the difference? Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't really agree. Because how how is it fair? Why is meat broth attributed to one taste on its own? What about every other single food on the planet? (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's so specific 
I, I feel like if that's the case, umami is just a specific type of salty, but it's still salty, you know? Yeah. It's not... They should say this is Rock. the taste of meat broth, not umami. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have this Atas friend, right, who uh, uh-huh. he loves to cook. So he says purportedly that umami is when you can feel the middle of your tongue kind of... He said light up, but I no, I, don't, I forgot what's the word. But you can taste, Activated, you can I guess. taste everywhere. Scientifically, yeah, no, you can no, no, taste but everywhere. Specifically, umami. because you did say that umami... Oh, did you? The umami uh-huh. taste is generally in the middle of the tongue zone, right? Is it? No, nope, oh. I never said anyway. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I just think it's... It's, it's nuanced, uh-huh. like, saltiness, but it's very similar to saltiness. So it's like... More it's salty but with more flavor, I would say. To me, it's just an elevated like what you said. It's an elevated form of salty, but it's still under the umbrella of salty. I guess people find it different enough to call it something else. That's why. Yeah, so that's why I would say maybe it's you know my palate is just Unrefined. terrible. And <laughs> okay, but honestly, I don't really know. So, but something just tastes nicer, you know. And then you you it's not because it's more salty. It's because you know because. Um, some things are just salty and not tasty, but some things are salty and tasty. Okay, I okay, think it's okay, that. Okay. To I, me, I that's think, what umami I is. Think Convinced? Maybe. It's still <laughs> elevated salty, so it's still under salty to me. Yeah. <laughs> but there's different, anyway. you agree that there's different kinds of saltiness, right? But there's also different kinds of sweetness to me, so you know, it's like, it's doesn't not really fair. mean much. So let's move on a bit. I think we also talk about taste buds and age. So, yep, it's true that in general, children prefer sweets, or rather children to about teenage adolescents. They typically prefer sweets and calorie-rich foods because they need it for growth and development, which I think we also mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, there's a preference, but that doesn't mean that it can't be trained. So if children like sweet things, and I think Dorothy will talk about this a bit, but if they like sweet things and you encourage that, them liking the sweet thing, mm. then they would also prefer sweet things in adulthood yeah. subsequently. Yeah. And also then, in general, children also don't like bitter things because at that point, during development supposedly, um, kids don't really know what is poisonous and what's not poisonous. And mm. so the bitter taste is slightly stronger so that it, it, they would spit out any bitter things. Because, so that they won't be poisoned. Yeah, so they don't kill themselves by randomly putting stuff into their mouths. Yeah. So yeah, speaking about food preferences, I think Dorothy would go into why we have food preferences. Yeah, so like what Zhao Yong said about children being more inclined to sweet, sweet food, yeah. but there are conflicting views, obviously. Of course. Of course. There is no con- some people say that there's no clear relationship between age and food consumption, and this would be more towards the elderly. Like right. you would hear people say like, Oh, if you are more, if you are older, because you are less sensitive to the sweetness or the saltiness, you would want to add more sugar and salt. Right, right. And this might not be true. But I don't know about y'all. So when I was young, I tend to like sweet things more, very sweet things. But then around this age, I don't really like things that are too sweet. Do y'all feel that yeah, way so also? I, I I feel that way too. Yes. Um, I know that there's a correlation between the amount of taste buds you have and age. So like, let's say the older you get, your taste buds renew at a slower rate. Oh. Mm. So that's why like in general, there's still an average decrease in the amount of taste buds. Yep. So that's why there can be decreased taste. But I think what Dorothy was saying is that it's because we are 
intelligent supposedly beings. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so we can still about, control. Yeah. 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 This is more on like what you like doesn't necessarily equal what you eat. Yeah. So like exactly. Oh. As we maybe you know there's there's a lot of other factors which we cannot cover today, but for age wise it might be due to like the social and economic status that you have as you grow older yeah. and also mm. social nutrition, like what people tell you is good for you right. and bad for you and therefore your perception of what you would eat is different as well. Right. Yeah. So other than that, there's a lot of other things. It can be non-scientific, like product safety, price of the food, convenience, prestige, demographic, social economy, and economic effect, Right. But I will just highlight whatever I think I can highlight today. Okay. So let's go for the mouth and the nose part already uh, first since we were talking about the taste buds. So the nose and the mouth, you know, we can perceive fat, soluble, volatile molecules. Oh, yeah, so okay. this is more related to fat. Right. Uh, and then after that, you can feel the food texture when you are chewing or swallowing. Mm. And one of the study found also that fat perception can be affected by a fatty taste receptor known as CD36, and this is found in your mouth. Okay. This study only had 21 participants, but they found that those who produce more of the CD36 protein were eight times more sensitive to fat content than those who made 50% less of this protein. Wow. In addition, having a high-fat diet could reduce the amount of CD36 being produced, and that would make the person less sensitive to fat. So they want to eat more to get the same level of satisfaction. It's like smoking. Yeah. yeah Fats are like, like smoking. <laughs> I, I guess it's like more satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For what I you said about the bitter taste receptor, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the sensitivity to bitter taste could be heritable. Those who are more sensitive to the bitter taste had the highest density of the fungiform papillae. So these are mushroom-like structures towards the back of your tongue, which is where the bitter part is supposed to be. And the sensitivity to bitter substances was also found to have more dislike for common foods, like a variety of vegetables, coffee, beer, and sharp cheeses. Most female alcoholics studied were found to be insensitive to bitter substances. Oh. Do you think that's the crazy part about us and coffee and beer and all these substances? Because they're naturally bitter, yeah. right? So yeah. maybe our bodies are already naturally configured to believe that it is bad for us and yet we still consume it by making it taste nicer, like adding milk and sugar to coffee. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's like we, we are like poisoning ourselves when our body is already telling us don't consume oh, it. Maybe. <laughs> but some bitter things are good for you though vegetables most vegetables like not sorry not most vegetables bitter god rocket maybe bitter god aren't good maybe it's good but if you talk about evolutionary (laughs) standpoint like people who are in the wild they might be eating any random plant and might not be that safe compared to eating I don't know berries (laughs) in the the farm some berries are poisonous are they bitter true true I don't know (laughs) (laughs) then you see the colour the brighter the I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay, but moving on. Interestingly, if genetic taste markers alter preferences for bitter foods and therefore consumption patterns, it may also be an indicator for some diet-related disease, if you understand what that means. So like, uh-huh. if your food preferences change, it might mean something more serious. Mm. Right, so, yeah. yes. Anyway, let's go into brain part. So we talked about like neuron, I mean how the brain is being, pers- the brain helps to perceive taste coming from your nose and your mouth. Yeah. 
So a lot of the research is done on brain serotonin levels. So I'll just focus on this part. Okay. Brain serotonin levels are inversely related to cravings for carbohydrates, but not proteins. So if you take drugs that increase serotonin levels, you will decrease carbohydrate intake. Okay, and the last point I'll be talking about is conditioning. So whether we can condition ourselves to like certain things. And indeed, some studies have found that taste preferences can be shaped by prior experiences and associative learning. Mm. So something that is neutral tasting or something that you dislike can actually become preferred if it's linked with a suitable mechanism of reward. So I'm guessing maybe like if I was a child and my mother is like, I give you TV time for vegetables, I might eat more. I don't know. Oh, parenting hacks. Like how you train a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> you ring the bell and the child salivates. Pavlov's. <laughs> yeah, you're on the TV and the child's like, yes, I want that shit. <laughs> anyway, speaking of conditioning, yeah. one of the things we hear a lot on is whether we can train ourselves to eat spicy food. So, Amanda... Right. Okay, so if you realize one of the things that was lacking in what Zhao Yun was talking when he was talking about taste buds was spicy. Right. So the sensation of hot or spicy is actually not a taste, it's a sensation. (laughs) The compound capsaicin is the chemical component found in spicy foods like hot pepper. Basically, capsaicin can bind to a special class of vanilloid receptors inside our mouth called TRPV1. So TRPV1. So fun fact, or maybe not so fun fact if you don't care, (laughs) it's a non-selective cation channel, not a G-protein coupled receptor. Okay. Right. It makes sense to me because cation receptors are like, you know, related to action potential and sensation rather than you know taste yes so it makes sense ah okay now I'm a bit confused because at first when you say that I was like so (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway when capsaicin binds to these receptors this trip V1 causes the sensation of spiciness which is a combination of heat and pain or nociception oh my god (laughs) yeah so that's why you feel the burn and the heat right yeah so can eating spicy food be trained so in theory yes because of desensitization so upon prolonged exposure to capsaicin trip v1 activity decreases so technically the trip v1 receptors can be trained to be desensitized to capsaicin over time which means you perceive less of the heat and pain or burn from eating the spicy food so similar to coffee beer smoking and like yeah 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 because these are all desensitizations, right? Basically, you just need more to reach the same level. Or in this case, you can have the same amount and perceive less. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so I actually didn't know this before, but capsaicin is actually also known for its pain-relieving properties. Mm-hmm. So it actually reduces pain by affecting the neurotransmitter, so the signals in your brain, that communicates pain signals to the brain. So topical capsaicin creams have been used for the treatment of arthritis, diabetic neuropathy, and muscle pain. So it is not exactly harmful when capsaicin comes in contact with the skin. So similar to what happens on your tongue, capsaicin triggers the pain receptors and your brain is tricked into thinking you are in danger to prevent you from touching or ingesting more spicy food. So this is similar to like when you touch something hot. Yeah. And then you um, immediately retract because your brain is telling you, oh, this is bad. Right. So capsaicin has that similar feedback. It's just that it doesn't cause 
harm. Right. So it is an irritant, but in controlled or low doses, it is not harmful to us. Mm. So what about the stomach? Uh, whilst you feel that burn, spicy food doesn't actually cause stomach ulcers. So capsaicin, in fact, inhibits the production of acid in the stomach. So it has been considered a medication for preventing ulcer development in people taking NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. But capsaicin is still an irritant and it can trigger upper GI symptoms or even symptoms of IBS or inflammatory bowel syndrome. So speaking of IBS, capsaicin irritates the small intestine where it moves along more quickly than normal and arrives at the colon. So the process normally slows down in the colon, but those receptors are being excessively activated and as a defense, the colon speeds the whole process up. So the colon cannot absorb the water, thus causing watery diarrhea. Okay, this is kind of but yeah, that's why you... That's so interesting. And if you feel like your anus is on fire after eating spicy food, that's <laughs> yes. because there's uh, remnants of capsaicin activating the trip V1 receptors along the skin of your butt, basically. Oh, oh, this makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. it's actually yeah. all the things we already know, I think. Then when I read it, I was thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so the bottom line is spicy food in moderation is fine, but in excess, it can lead to... Uh, gastrointestinal issues or irritating uh, sensation. But you should also be careful of extremely spicy food like ghost peppers. So high levels and concentration of capsaicin will exacerbate all the GI symptoms that we mentioned above. And on top of the capsaicin, the extreme burning sensation reportedly caused esophageal perforation in a man who ate ghost peppers. Wow. So basically, the esophagus was ruptured after eating ghost peppers. But they said it was most likely due to the violent vomiting and not the capsaicin itself. But that being said, the capsaicin triggered the violent vomiting. So you should still be careful. As in, yeah, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, so... Yeah. yeah, spicy food yeah. is fine in moderation and just don't go overboard with the spicy because it can trigger a reaction that can cause harm. I still find it very interesting that the anus has the trip V1 receptor. It's yeah. like your body trying to squeeze everything out at the last bit, you know, it's like, just get it out, get it out of your system. It's like, it hurts, right? Get it out of your system. And then it I'm makes you sure remember, it. like, this is what you feel, okay? Yeah. <laughs> As if the pain is not enough, your butt has to be on fire. Yeah, but I I think Sorry. there's trip V1 receptors everywhere on the skin. It's just different levels. So uh, uh, on your fingertips and on your tongue, I guess it's more and then so on and so forth. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's spicy food. <laughs> so hopefully you learned a lot with us. I feel like a lot of things suddenly make a lot of sense to me now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and if you have any other interesting food preference related stuff do let us know but as usual follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel a like and a comment would help us out you can also follow us on our social media Instagram, Twitter or Facebook and feel free to DM us any questions alternatively you can email us at thelabdoctors at gmail.com you should check out the episode description for helpful links for everything that we've talked about if you like this podcast please share it with your friends Thank you. Thank you. In moderation, guys. Thank you in moderation? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, just in moderation. Did you know that even though you have different food preferences, it still all comes out the same? Poop mode. Where we talk about all fecal matters. Poop mode. Find out why you should give a crap. Poop mode. 
and there is no shame in that. Join us for Pokemon. Only on the Land Office Podcast.